Okay, welcome to episode two of the extraordinary progress of a procrastinating maker. Um, we should be getting some audio upgrade on this podcast and the last one because I'm currently using a lavalier mic. So I'm now starting to make my way to my day job. And you're going to join me on route. So what are we talking about today? Well, interesting. Uh, I had an experience with a manufacturer for 3D printing materials. And let's just say I've been somewhat surprised about my reaction to that exchange. Um, so I'll give you a bit of backstory. I've been 3D printing for about four, four and a half years now. And my journey started with a scratch-build Delta printer, which I called Frank, because he was Frankensteined into life um, through sure, sheer determination and ignorance to get that project completed and was very successful, taught me a lot about 3D printing. Fast forward four and a half years to today, um, I purchased a CR10 3D printer because Frank, as good as he was, was a project and I needed a tool. So I bought a CR10 with the guise of upgrading things to, to, to have a tool and not have to keep babying things to keep it working. Um, so I printed, I printed exclusively in ABS with Frank. Um, however, with the CR10, I'm unable to actually achieve good results with ABS. Uh, I get either poor bed adhesion or I get uh, layer fracturing because of uh, heat shrink, you know, the shrinkage caused by the part cooling too quick. It realistically needs a chamber to keep the atmospheric pr- uh, temperatures around the print at a, at a nice warm level so that the, the, the contraction through cooling is consistent across the print. <coughs> so... I migrated from, after a very bad experience, which is probably for another podcast, um, a prop build I was making failed due to being in sunlight um, because it was printed in PLA. The next logical step for me was to find a material that I could print which had properties like ABS uh, but had print characteristics of PLA and PETG seemed to be a good fit. Now PETG, don't ask me to say what that actually stands for because I don't know and even if I did I probably wouldn't know what the compounds are but PETG is essentially uh, a very similar plastic to what's used in like drinking water bottles 
except those are PET. The G in PETG is glycol, and I believe glycol is added to the, the, the polymer to make it easier to print. Now it's branded as having the same print characteristics as PLA, but mechanically has the properties of ABS. My experience in printing PETG exclusively over the last, what, year or so, is that it's not as simple as saying it. You can print it just as simply as PLA, and it turns out like ABS. It's not, I would say it's a middle ground. It is, there is a step up from PLA in terms of how it, you know, how it actually prints in terms of your print settings. So for example, PLA bridges really well where PETG doesn't. So you've got you've to tune your slicing settings to be able to get uh, bridging working. You've also got to get your slicing settings set so it doesn't string. PETG likes to, wants to string. It's almost got a will and you've got to bend it against its own will to want to string. So yeah, there's some tuning involved, but once you get it set, it's you know it, it, you're good to go. So recently, I've noticed that my print quality on my current PETG prints was slowly degrading. I was using Amazon Basics, and I was actually quite surprised on how good the Amazon Basics PETG filament was printing. This particular roll I've got right now uh, printed really, really well at the beginning. But now as I'm nearing the end of the roll, the print quality is really, really falling off a cliff. And I couldn't get my head around what was going on. So I stream on Twitch. And one of my viewers sent me a link to a USB camera, which is also a microscope. It's not, it's not something that sees like really, really tiny details, but five millimeter squares, you know, you could probably get two five millimeter squares up close uh, on screen, maybe even less than that, which is really good for seeing close up detail. You. Seeing close-up detail and what have you. So what I did was to put my print right up close to the microscope, get it in focus so I could see the individual layer lines, and I had a look at what was going on. And what I found was, because it was a transparent PETG filament I was using, I was able to see all the artifacts right the way through the layer and I was able to spot little tiny bubbles. Now, if you know anything about 3D printing, you already know what I'm about to say. But if you don't, if you can see really tiny bubbles in your 3D print, it means that your filament is wet. And what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is 3D printing filament is what's called hydroscopic. All 3D, all 3D printing filaments are hydroscopic. It just depends upon the material 
as to how hydroscopic it is. What does hydroscopic mean? Hydroscopic means that it absorbs moisture from the air or atmosphere around it. So if you were to put a 3D printing filament in a steam room, it would absorb a ton of moisture out of the air within that environment. That's probably a bad example because the heat probably would affect PLA. But anyway, so PLA is less moisture absorbent or hydroscopic than nylon, for example. But PETG is hydroscopic. Pretty, it's pretty bad as well, to, to, from what I understand. And this particular regular filament, it just sits on my 3D printer and it hasn't been used a great deal. I didn't burn through the 3D the filament with a ton of prints. It was doing little, it was doing little experiments and I was noticing layers breaking away um, posts that I was 3D printing that was going to be used for screwing into. Those broke off really easily. You know, just the strength and visual look of the print just degraded. So, I knew what I needed to do, and that was to build a dry box system. So I built, built a dry box, and a dry box is essentially uh, a sealed box which allows you to control the atmospheric moisture inside that box. And how did I do this? So I bought a food grade box from IKEA, which had a gasket on the lid and it was able to fit two spools of filament side by side. I think that cost me about five pounds UK. I 3D printed a bulkhead or a manifold um, which allowed the filament to pass through the side wall of the box and I bought some compression fittings with a 1.5 meter Bowden tube. I also bought uh, color changing desiccant. Desiccant is the silica gel packs that you get inside your 3D printing filaments. What's inside those packs? Silica gel or it, it's known as a desiccant and essentially what it does is it is hyper hydroscopic so it absorbs all of the moisture inside the, the uh, in the vicinity of that product. So I bought 500 grams of loose desiccant. I 3D print, sorry, I laser cut a spool holder, uh, glued that all up, cut a hole in the side of the box to match the bulkhead fitting and the screw holes, and I sealed the box up, put the spool holder inside, and then just tossed this uh, 500 grams of desiccant into the box itself. The desiccant is blue, but it turns clear or white as it absorbs moisture. So you visually get to see the moisture being absorbed and you know when your desiccant is done. You know when it's, it, it, it can't absorb anymore. And the cool thing about this desiccant is you can put it in an oven, you can put it in a dehydrator uh, and you can purge all of the moisture from that desiccant so that uh, it's reusable. You can just use it over and over and over again. 
which is awesome. The problem here is that we now have a dry box system and we have a wet reel of filament. And unfortunately, you cannot put a reel of filament into a dry box wet and the desiccant packs remove that moisture. You actually have to dr actively drive out the moisture that is in that reel of filament. Now, there's a couple of ways of doing this. And be warned, some of them have risks in terms of uh, losing the reel of filament itself. So, and I'll go into a little story about that as well. The 3D printing filament, depending on what it is, can be heated below its glass point and for, be held at that temperature for a couple of hours, anywhere from four to eight hours and at the end of it, you, in theory, should have a dry reel of filament. How do you do that? Okay, so you can use an oven, a regular oven that you use for cooking your food. And you would preheat the oven and allow it to sit there at temperature for probably about half an hour before putting the reel of filament in. And the reason for this is that an oven is controlled very similarly to a 3D printer in that it has a PID cycle um, that monitors the temperature and tries to keep the oven at temperature and not over temperature, not under temperature. So there will be some fluctuations in the overall temperature. So when you, if you leave it for 30 minutes or so, you can, um, you can make sure that the, the thermal fluctuations inside the oven are at a minimum. So here's the warning. If you put a filament into the oven and it's a way above its functional temperature for drying, at best, you're going to fuse that filament into one mass. It'll just become a ornament which resembles a 3D a print a roll of 3D printing filament. At worst, you're going to have molten plastic inside your oven. So you do need to find the temperature that your 3D printing filament needs to be dried at. And you also need to find um, an oven which is stable in temperature because even though you set it to, let's say, 60 degrees, if the, if the control system of the oven allows it to go to 120 degrees and back down, then you've already done your 3D filament, 3D, uh, you've already done your filament damage. So, funny story, I fell into the trap of this. I had a reel of filament which was wet. I put it in the oven, left it for six hours, brought it out. It was really warm. I printed a part with it. It worked really, really well. The following day, I came to try and print something out. The filament had actually 
cooled and become a single item. Not a strand, but a round disc of 3D printing filament. It became a solid mass. So that completely ruined it. The second way you can do it is by using a filament drying system, which effectively is a modified food dehydrator. So, uh, essentially you just set the temperature very much like the oven and you just allow that filament to sit in there at temperature and off it goes. Same principle, right? So, I decided I was going to buy some new filament because I was out. I had a roll of filament that had died. I was pretty much out of material. So I purchased a reel of PETG from a supplier. And I'm not going to name that supplier because the next bit I'm about to tell you isn't a particularly good experience. I probably will blog about it and I will name the company in the blog. But anyway, long and sh the long and short of this story is I bought the filament. It turns up a day later. bought it from Amazon. It was on prime delivery. Turned up the next day. Amazing. Start, opened, the, opened the bag. There was no vacuum seal on the, three, on, on the filament itself. And that should have been a bit of a red flag right there. Your 3D printing filament should always come with a vacuum seal. If it doesn't, and it's hydroscopic, it's likely that it's been sat on a shelf in a warehouse somewhere, which isn't the driest of atmospheres. And yeah, it'll absorb moisture. So I started printing and the 3D prints were worse than what I had with the previous reel of PTG that was wet. And I'm like, seriously, now what the hell am I gonna do? Now, any normal person would send that 3D printing filament back to Amazon or to the supplier and say it's defective. But I wanted to understand what was going on. I wanted to understand how I would deal with this. So let's say, for example, I had filament sat on, on a bench for a year that I've not used, tried to use it and it's wet. What do I do then? So I bought myself a food dehydrator and immediately found that the food trays inside the, the dehydrator were too thin to allow a reel of filament to sit inside. So I've seen a few tutorials online which say that you can cut these food trays, glue them together, and that will then allow you to, to put your filament in there. Now, if you're planning on using the, the dehydrator purely for drying filament, then that's an absolutely acceptable method. However, I wanted to use this as a food dehydrator as well. So I wasn't prepared to damage and destroy the food trays in order to achieve my results. So what I have done is I've made a cardboard standoff, which is, I believe, twice the height 
of the width of the reel of filament. So I could stack two reels of filament on top of each other and put them in the food dehydrator. So I made this cardboard spacer and it's temporary. The plan will be to 3D print um, a replacement. So it's a, a permanent fixture of the, of the system. And I'll have both the filament dryer and food de uh, dryer dehydrator all in, all in one. So I place this reel in there. I have a digital multimeter which has a temperature probe on it uh, and then it's an external temperature probe. So I was able to closely monitor the temperature fluctuations and make sure that it didn't spike and it didn't go uh, take the filament into a region where it would destroy it. So placed it in the food dehydrator, left it for six hours, tried to print. Initially it looked good, but as I started doing more test prints, it still came back with really horrible results. So I put it back in the food dehydrator and left it there for another eight hours. Uh, is that right? Is it eight hours? Yeah, so approximately 14 hours worth of drying time in two sessions was sufficient enough to dry the filament. The, the filament is put, put now in the dry box. The dry box will stop that filament from getting wet. Remember, it won't dry it. Um, so I've now got a decent result. So I thought I would reach out to the 3D printing company, the, the, the filament company, and let them know what's going on. Let them know that I've had this experience. Let them know what I did. So I contacted them via Twitter. And they said, yep, I showed them a picture of before and after drying of a, of a, a 3D print. And literally there was, there was holes you could stick a toothpick through where the steam had, you know, the moisture had turned the steam in the hot end and just blown out the print completely. Um, that's how bad it was. The response, well, first of all, was impersonal. It was dear, comma. There was no, there was no name. There was no um, Twitter handle. Nothing. They said that that's not the way their filament was supposed to work and if I could email them the details, print settings, my printer details, all that sort of stuff, and they'll see what they can do. So I did all of that. I sent an email to them. And they were like, uh, right, so it's dry now. Okay, well, what do you want us to do? And I thought... It's not really, it's not really a good experience. I mean, I'm a customer. I'm not a usual customer in the sense that I've taken the time and money to go out of my way to resolve this problem. You'd think they'd invest a little bit more in having a conversation with me to understand what has happened how it got to me in a bad condition, and maybe just say, hey, thanks for bringing this to our attention. It looks like something has failed in our, man in, in our packaging department. We'll take this up, 
thanks very much. You know, I mean, it wasn't like I was looking for a freebie. I was looking for a conversation. I was looking for a little bit of recognition that I'd actually gone out of my way to try and figure this stuff out. But no, absolutely nothing. It was cold and impersonal. And even in the emails, they responded, dear. It was almost like it was an automated system that was supposed to get my, my name from a variable. But because there was nothing there, it didn't plant my name. So, yeah, I was pretty annoyed at that experience. I was actually quite surprised on how annoyed I was. To the point where I'm seriously considering, I am seriously considering making my own 3D printing filament. So that I never have to go to a filament supplier again and deal with the lack of customer service from a, from a company. Now, that might be an extreme reaction. It might be that I'm being unreasonable. I don't know. At the moment, I'm sitting on it. I'm sitting on this feeling. I'm just seeing whether or not it's fleeting or whether or not it's something that's sticking around. In the meantime, I'm going to have to buy some, some filament. But I'm not going to go with this supplier. I'm going to go somewhere else. So that's my challenge right now. In amongst all of my other projects that I've got on the go, I've got this deep-rooted burning feeling that I've been not mistreated. I mean, to, to say this company has mistreated me is probably stretching the truth but I would definitely say they have done the absolute bare minimum in terms of customer service and considering I've gone out of my way it would have been nice to have a conversation that was like warm and not cold I don't know maybe maybe my expectations are skewed But I'm really annoyed about it. Really annoyed. So I'm gonna blog about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna post on Instagram about it. I might even do a YouTube video about it. I'm not quite sure. We shall see. But yes, I am seriously considering making my own 3D printing filament by ordering raw PETG pellets and I might even go down the road of recycling the materials as well I don't know in this day and age plastics has got a pretty bad name So anything that I can do in the space that could potentially ease the sort of dent on the environment that the 3D printing 
sorry, I am currently concentrating on traffic so I don't crash my car. Um, so yeah, just something to ease the environmental impact that the, the, the 3D printing space genre, whatever you want to call it, um, is making on, on the world. It's got to be a good thing. So... So yes, I'm sitting on this feeling right now and, and trying to understand, I'm trying to be self-aware, I'm trying to figure out whether or not I'm just annoyed and angry at the experience and it's fleeting and as you know, I'll just return to becoming a consumer again or whether or not I genuinely feel aggrieved that, uh, and, and, that and that feeling is deep rooted within me that I can't go back. That I'm so annoyed by the customer. You know, it, it. I just want to know if I'm unique. Am I unique in the sense that I've had a poor experience, and I don't know. Am I just weird? I think. I, well, I think I, I probably am weird, but. <laughs> but is that is that is that a normal human trait to have a bad experience and someone say screw you I'm not coming back no more I'm going to go and do <laughs> I'm going to go and do it myself I don't know I don't know I don't know Right I'm going to wrap this from here Because I'm starting to get distracted with my driving to be able to concentrate on talking. So, you can follow me in various different locations across all social media platforms. I'm at Inquisitor's Work on Twitter, I'm IQS Workshop on Instagram, and I am IQ Workshop on Twitch. Yes, I know. It's not the best to have different branding across the platforms and I ideally should have everything in the same name. Maybe I'll rebrand in the future. Who knows? Who knows? It's not like I've got a massive following right now, so I could do it right now and it not be a major problem. So, I don't know how frequently these... Uh, these podcasts are going to come out and sharing my thoughts. I'm trying to document as a... Yes, cut across me, lovely. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know whether... I don't know, I don't know how frequent these, uh, these podcasts are going to come out. It's going to be to document as opposed to create. I'm, I'm having a good time kind of like figuring things out. And hopefully the act of doing... He's going to see an improvement in these podcasts, the, the, you know, the, the quality of each of these podcasts. Hopefully from the first podcast, if you listen to episode one, I'm sorry. And thank you for coming back for episode two, because ultimately uh, the sound quality on that first one was absolutely horrific. But I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to stop. I want this to actually become something. And I don't know how many listens I've had this far, but... You know, 
probably good the quality's so bad and people aren't listening. I can get these rubbish ones out of the way and you can enjoy the good stuff a little bit later. But anyway, I'm going to call that quits now. Thank you once again for listening and I'll catch you in episode three. Take care.